0: CHAPTER Twenty Four OF GOD'S FOOL by Martin Martins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Anna Simon. A PRINCE AMONG PAUPERS To Elias, life was one long Sabbath, the dim hush of a cathedral chapel, the long-drawn, mournful sweetness of organ-tones that sink to rest. For the full blaze of life and the full burst of life the heart's sunshine and the mind's proud clamor of activity, these could never be but partially aroused, where the avenues of sight and sound remained blocked. Yet he was happy in the stillness, in the half-light of his existence. As he looked down the long vista of monotonous years, he lost count, if ever he had been able to retain it, and, dully as he remembered a time when he was happier still, because less hampered in enjoyment, the recollection conveyed to him no conception of a nevermore. That phase, though not present with him at the moment, was a perpetual reality. He regretted it no more than a child regrets this morning's breakfast in the presence of this evening's tea. For all that, it may prefer the earlier meal. Elias knew that all things, good and evil, have their times of coming and going, yet the thread of existence was tangled round his brain in the form neither of a ragged scrap, cut at both ends, as with us, nor of a harmonious circle, as with the philosophers, but of an ellipse, as I presume with other fools. That which was, and that which is, and that which shall be, blended together, it has already been pointed out, into a unity of consciousness. The consciousness of love, which is impulse, and that steadfast calm of regret which is love inadequate or love misunderstood it is very difficult to present a distinct picture of elias's clouded intellect to intellects unclouded which have always been aware that if today is the thirty-first of december the thirtieth must have immediately preceded it while to-morrow will be new year's day when the old year will be definitely dead but it doesn't matter we can skip elias and yet the story i flatter me will remain interesting still for hendrik lossell was very wide awake and unclouded and able to do any amount of mental arithmetic connected with tea besides there is a murder later on if you care to get so far just as there is in this morning's police elias lossell is uninteresting but he cannot help it he is only a fool and not even a titled one had he lived in england and had his Florence been pounds sterling, he would probably, as eldest son of the late merchant prince his father, have been Sir Elias Lossell, or even, perhaps, Lord Taycaddy. And the Honourable Henk and the Honourable Hub would have been more honourable than they can ever hope to be now or henceforth. And Elias would have been interesting, although belonging to a not uncommon class. But all that is impossible." There never was a baron took to trade in Holland yet, neither in tea nor in cotton nor in anything else, excepting the seven pearls of his coronet. The Lossells and their friends would have laughed me to scorn had I pretended, out of deference to my reader's feelings, that Elias was a baron. He was not, and as his name has unfortunately been dragged out of the quiet corner where it shone serenely in the hearts of the few who knew and loved him into the glare of literary notoriety, it must now remain for ever inscribed on the long roll of the circulating libraries as a probably unique example of a hero of modern story who stands forth as an unutterable and none the less an untitled fool his folly was without any alleviation and also without any excuse and yet he was interesting enough in his own circle of koopstad was my poor elias how interesting he was came out plainly on the occasion of his brother's marriage as a rule elias lived away in his modest house and garden outside the town he never entered the narrow traffic tormented streets you could meet him with his faithful johanna or a man servant occasionally if you went for long walks in the fields but few people in koopstad have time to go walking it was not time that he lacked and he loved these wide wanderings into the vast recesses of nature even though he could not peer and poke as you and i can into her unfathomed mysteries probably what most delighted him in these walks was the consciousness of using his strength evidently he could not ride or shoot or run but he could walk on an attendant's arm away into the immeasurable distance on and on until he came home blessed sensation healthily tired johanna strong and hearty and comely as ever could force herself to accompany her darling, and when the rage of inexhaustibleness fell upon him, as it sometimes would, well, then Johanna must stay where she was, and John must go instead. There was only one Johanna, but, alas, there was a frequent variation of John's. They never succeeded in getting a manservant who could resist the continual temptation to steal from Elias. For Elias sanctioned every theft. He would seldom talk as he proceeded on his way through the sweet sights and smells and sensations of a summer day the smells and sensations were with him whatever might become of the sights and sounds they were with him in such a degree that he could often tell through what plantations of trees or what fields of grain they were passing not merely by stopping to feel with his hand but by distinguishing a variety of odours which john Declared to be the same unprofitable country smell. He was always most anxious to know what birds were singing. Do you hear them? What birds are they? He would ask over and over again. And the John of the moment usually answered, Finches. Elias would fly into sudden furies of futile disappointment over that unaltering reply. A couple of Johns had been sent away for not being able to distinguish between Finches and blackbirds, and that was a pity. For it took a long time to accustom a new man to elias's strange forms of conversation. And the whole thing was, after all, more a theory than a reality with him. For he knew nothing of the notes of birds, and became perfectly happy with a servant who had the cuteness to vary his random replies. But the afflicted man clung to the idea, all the more on account of its shadowiness. He made most of what little he could possess, and to hear him talk glibly about the trees in his garden would hardly have thought he knew only a couple of dozen of the commonest kinds. And even of these he could not remember where they stood, as so many blind men can. It was the same with the corn in the fields. He must have some assistance from touch or smell. But Johanna, who helped him in these things to the uttermost, contended, to strangers, that of late the senses he still possessed had developed under continual use." he could now distinguish the places where his different flowers were planted by smelling and feeling them they were purposely put in patches or broad borders of the same species it was a great pleasure to him to feel his way down to them alone and to pick with his own hand and blend in a bouquet such selections as he might be desirous to make but it was in accordance with the whole bent of his crooked mind that he could not realize the fact that one servant should go and another should take his place they were all john to him for so the first one had been called and they were obliged to acquiesce in the fiction on the whole they had a good time of it as long as it lasted nothing much was required of them except a pair of elastic legs for johanna retained with jealous hands the personal care over her jasje as she still occasionally called him and the man who was rash enough to encroach upon her privileges might as well advertise for another place at once they danced attendance on a master whose pockets were always full of small change which he scattered indiscriminately to any beggars who cared to accept it and a good many of these pieces naturally would find their way into the valet's itching palm johanna had in vain done all she could to persuade her charge not to take money with him on his walks except when she could accompany him he had refused peremptorily obstinately refused an unusual thing with him he had reminded her that it had been his first almost his only stipulation when his brothers told him he was rich that he must have a certain sum to give away he had begged for it cried for it hubert had accorded it to him it was only a thousand florins about 80 pounds a mere drop from the ocean and every day he took with him a hundred copper cents at each side pocket and gave them away anyhow like a fool hendrik administered the rich man's charities nothing exaggerating and nothing setting down unseen on the lists which went the round of all the great houses he wrote the substantial name of volderus zonen opposite large fat respectable sums and the gentlemen who brought the lists were very much obliged to hendrik Lossel. They sometimes ventured to hint, however, that his stepbrother's indiscriminate scattering of pennies was a nuisance, and a hindrance to the proper organization of relief. The burgomaster, duly enlightened by his parish officers, complained that Elias was pauperizing the poor. It was true. The children of the neighboring villages began to look out for and waylay him. Hendrik shrugged his shoulders. He regretted it. So did the John's. And therefore, they took Elias's pennies away from him when they could, and kept them. It was not very difficult to do so, for he easily lost count. Burgomaster's Tibby, Matthias, having a passion for sweet stuff when sticky, had also hit upon the ingenious expedient of tracking the blind man and stopping him for a copper. The first time he did it very timidly; the second, he was quite bold and impatient. For evidently Elias, unless warned by his John, who had instructions to do so, but evaded them, was incapable of knowing you wanted money unless you pulled him by the coattails. The village children would adopt that expedient or roll in a dust across his path. They scampered off if they saw Johanna with the fool. Elias got no thanks for his well-intentioned largesse. He was always the fool to them. They thought him a fool for giving them coppers without cause johanna having suspected tibby caught him one day by peeping round the corner she told somebody who told somebody else and solomon being considered altogether out of it in holland as regards pedagogy the burgomaster punished his greedy offspring by condemning him to complete deprivation of pudding for the next six weeks it was elias's fault most certainly it was nobody will deny it but the burgomasteress as she sat sadly gazing upon her puddingless darling at table hyper realized perhaps how much elias was to blame and she told everybody and everybody pitied her and the poor harmless child and the burgomaster's responsibility and the weight of work imposed upon the parish officers and the church charity fund and everybody said that desultory giving was a crying evil and that it pauperized the poor and they only wished they had some of elias lossell's useless money and why didn't he give it to them if he didn't know what to do with it and he ought to be locked up his reputation therefore was at a very low ebb when he suddenly appeared among the koopstadters on the occasion of hendrik Lossel's wedding hubert was away in china other near relations there were none elias the head of the family must represent it he could not be one of the two witnesses groomsmen whom Dutch law requires for either of the contracting parties, but he must appear in the family circle nevertheless. He expressed his readiness, nay, his eagerness to do so, though he had not been near the bustling city for years. As a rule, he shrank painfully from the society of men more favoured than he, and who was not? Walled up in the loneliness of his small spot of tranquil sunlight, he would repeat constantly to Johanna the saw her devotion, or her selfishness, had taught him. Two's company, three's none. But one day, suddenly, he stopped himself. Am I one, Johanna? he asked, with a troubled expression of face. Yes, she told him. I can't understand it, he murmured, shaking his head. Seems to me I'm company, and two. I'm always thinking of Elia's Lossell, and talking to Elia's Lossell, and I love Elia's Lossell very much. Who is the I, Johanna, that is Elia's Lossell's friend? johanna could not answer him she knew about the old adam and the new man as treated abstractly in church some vague idea that these might come in useful floundered across her brain but she did not feel able to cope with them and therefore she confined herself to telling elias that he must not love himself more than he loved her his poor old nurse who doted on him elias promised not to a few days later he burst upon the astonished gaze of koopstad hendrik's wedding with its elements of wonder amusement and complaint would naturally awaken considerable curiosity the large church of st john jack's they call it in koopstad as elsewhere in holland for the dutch are by nature religious but not reverent jack's was crowded with a fashionable crowd that nodded and smiled and talked in more than a whisper and kept on its head till the service began all the clan of hendrik's relations were there come to see their dear cousin make an exhibition of himself, and rejoicing that it should be so, although annoyed by the thought of the fortune which would become his some day. And the Alerses, for their part, spread themselves out of the sacred building which to them at that moment was a very temple of Mammon. It was not everybody that got married at Jack's, and some of the Alerses, cousins, female of course, and very young, felt conscious of a futile hope the outcome of envy gone demented that at the last moment cornelia might still possibly come to grief there are a number of people here grumbled cousin koko's lesser half to his sovereign lady who have no reason for coming at all as if it were not bad enough to be dragged to a wedding on compulsion you may be certain my dear titus replied our old friend amelia in a new lilac bonnet and therefore not unhappy though ashamed of her cousin that when a church is as crowded as this the wedding is sure to be an ill-assorted one and royal weddings then faintly ventured the cocoa man royal weddings are always ill-assorted answered amelia whose domestic religion consisted in having the last word when dutch bridal couples enter the church they have already been civilly married before the registrar and the bride invariably comes up the ale on her husband's arm there had been a general consensus among the ladies that cornelia would look hideous ghastly or what is the correct adjective which a pretty woman applies to a plain one? Oh, of course you could make up your mind about that but when she walked calmly up between the broad borders of sceptically smiling faces she had on flat shoes for the occasion and little hanky high-heeled boots she disappointed them all she was not half bad said the man serenely self-conscious and with a queenly look about her the women dropped smiles of vinegar into their watery praise she looks ever so much younger than she is they titted she looks almost as young as her husband immediately after the happy pair came elias leading or rather led by corneliuss married sister the lady of the widower the six step-children and the sixty thousand florins. As he emerged from the entrance into the full glare of the vast, white-walled, white-windowed, barn-like building, a thrill of interest, a genuine impulse of spontaneous excitement, ran swiftly through the ruffles and laces and simpers, and even penetrated to the yawns. Many of those present had not seen Elias since he was a boy. Few had seen him otherwise than once or twice from a carriage when they passed him on some quiet road, where he stood, half averted, under a slouch-hat which hid his face. But now, suddenly, he came among them. He passed along their serried lines, where outstretched hands could touch him, his blindness uplifted in the vulgar light of their little day. He followed imperceptibly the guiding of the woman by his side that evening dress which the dutch still commonly wear at weddings and which is not nearly so unbecoming after all as some enthusiasts would have us believe the man who looks like a waiter in a white tie will look like a groom in a red one that evening dress which like most other much maligned evils survives all attacks sat easily and not ungracefully on elias's massive frame the fair curls fell in a bright flood over his shoulders and the beard, no razor had ever touched it, now lay soft and silky on the manly chest. His golden fairness wrapped the blind man's head in an aureole of sunlight. He walked erect, with a tranquil purity over his even features, and, as he turned to take his seat in the half-circle of relations which Dutch etiquette groups around the two principal personages, his sightless eyes shone forth in all their fathomless unconsciousness as cloud-veiled lakes of dark transparency upon the alerses and the lossells and all their roots and fruits and branches upon koopstad monied and mercantile majestic meritorious and mean lord bless us murmured a meagre old cousin in black satin one of those cousins we are all afraid of and venerate because she can leave her money where she likes she closed her thin hands tightly over her gold-clasped hymn-book and her chin shook the younger ladies of koopstad did not exchange satirical glances they were looking at elias everybody had forgotten the bride they were looking at elias everyone was looking at elias at the back of the church and in corners and along the walls people had got up and were standing discreetly on tiptoe and craning their necks between intervening shoulders and over-agitated heads. There was something uncanny about the apparition of this sunless baldur that struck their admiration cold. They gazed at him in alarm and reproach, for he was of their own race and yet outside them. But they gazed fixedly, unintermittently, as he sank into his seat. Very few of them saw Hendrik stumble over the footstool prepared for his bride, and still fewer saw Cornelius's impatient frown. They were not thinking of Cornelia. They were thinking of, and looking at, Elias. And suddenly Elias remembered, with a shock of self-rebuke, that he was in church. He had not been in church for innumerable years. He sank forward abruptly on his knees, and, speaking out aloud into his own unbroken silence, words which he believed to be entirely inaudible, but which rang clear and low through the sacred edifice, in the subdued tones of his bell-like voice, he said, Dear God, bless Hendrik and Cornelia, and bless me, and Hubert out in China, and make everybody happy and good. End of chapter 24